Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 1045 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter. You can find me there. Hit me up with whatever you got at jmartzone. That's how you get to me at jmartzone. I always say this. I will say it again. I will say it till the day I die. I am so blessed beyond measure, reasonable, unreasonable, undeserved, unearned favor from the Lord. And I hope you recognize that you are as well. That's a conversation you'd like to have further. My DMs are wide open at jmartzone. Feel free to contact me there. I would love to have that talk with you. Last night spent pretty much the entire show talking NFL with Rhett Bryan, my good friend, the executive producer of Titans Radio. One thing that I failed to point out, and I had him here, and I mentioned what he did on Saturday, but I didn't go into enough detail. And then we'll get to today's stories, and I'm going to talk about Rick Barnes off the top, because I guess it's time for me to give a mea culpa, right? But Rhett Bryan, in addition to all the prep work that he did for the NFL draft, and I sat sat here and watched him and Coach Dave McGinnis and just all of the the Titans radio team preparing for the draft and going through all of these mock scenarios and these trade generators and all of these various things, and they just knocked it out of the park. And then following that, Rhett Bryan went and be he served as the master of ceremonies for the final gala, the final ball at the City Winery downtown for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, where our own Jonathan Hutton. Another guy I am beyond blessed to be able to call a friend for the last five years, one man of the year. And Rhett was just perfect at this gig. And I just wanted to give him credit. I saw Catfish Jake tweet out a couple of days ago that Rhett doesn't often get the credit that he deserves for how hard he works and how good he is at what he does. Amen, Jake. So I'm leading my show right now saying that at Rep B Tennessee, who's one of the best people I know, one of the, the people I'm just privileged to have in my life in some capacity, and I'm having such a blast with him and David Reed right now as we are going through this deep dive on the Pop 6 about the office. But Red absolutely crushed this thing as a master of ceremonies on Saturday. And he, look, this is, he, he was born to do this. He knows how to talk to an audience, especially one that's just right in front of him. He knows how to move things. He understands the emotions of being serious in one moment and having levity where he can at times as well. This is a heavy subject, leukemia and lymphoma and and all the people that are dealing with it. So there wasn't as much levity to be had. So there needed to be gravity. There needed to be gravitas behind the words. And Red had the tone and the pace and just the manner and demeanor that you want. So I just want to give props to him. I should have done that yesterday as opposed to just saying, well, you were master of ceremonies after the draft and not going into detail. 
But uh, I wanted to make sure and get that done here. So Rep B Tennessee, if you're not following him on Twitter, I spent the whole hour. We talked a lot of draft, a lot of Titans. If you missed that, subscribe to the podcast, Big Six with Jason Martin. You can find it through Apple Podcasts. Uh, Google, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcast, you can consume this show however you want, whenever you want. And if you hear my voice is not not at tip-top shape, no question about that. A little worse, actually, than yesterday. Pollen has got me down. I was up most of the night um, with my eyes watering while I was crying. I'm not crying. I was coughing like a madman. Um, but here I am. So let's talk a little bit about him. I want to talk about Josh Rosen. I haven't gotten to that this week and some other things that are going on. Maybe some James Harden, some of this Rockets Warriors nonsense as well. But we got to talk about Rick Barnes. And I was here a couple of weeks ago and I told you, hey, this is the kind of guy you want. Somebody that's honest enough to say, I, I thought I was going to be the head coach at UCLA. They wouldn't pay my buyout. And so I decided, you know, that's a sign from God that I'm going to stay in Knoxville. Far be it for me to judge him in any way as a person but i am going to judge this story that came out in terms of this one situation because the story that was released is not good for rick barnes and now if i'm a tennessee fan i'm not happy with rick barnes at all because the whole story was ucla offered him the money that he wanted but would not pay the buyout to get him out of Knoxville. And so he thought that was a sign, and so he stayed put. The story that was released from Ben Bolch, and it was published online on Monday night, says that's not the case. That not only did they agree to the money, they also agreed to the buyout. And it looked like it was a done deal. And then Rick Barnes and his agent came back to UCLA and said, actually, we want more money in our contract originally. And that's where UCLA balked a little bit and backed off. And then, reportedly, Rick Barnes went back and said, okay, can we get the original offer again with just a buyout? And then UCLA, then it just it fell apart. So, really, they offered him everything that he wanted, and then he came back and said, no, pay me even more. Barnes signed a five-year contract that was revised back a couple of weeks ago on April the 17th. It's worth an average of $5.2 million annually, this according to the Knox News Sentinel and, and various other sources as well. His previous contract was an average of $3.5 million each season. So he's making a ton of money. And if you saw Pardon the Interruption last night, Tony Kornheiser and, and Michael Wilbon just annihilated Rick Barnes, who they admittedly liked. And look, I like him too. A lot of you like him. Because it looks so bad. It doesn't look like necessarily he lied. I don't know all the specifics. Maybe Rick Barnes didn't know all the specifics. It doesn't sound good. But what it sounds like is, think about it. Think about it just in terms of a timeline. Okay, we're all watching Avengers Endgame right now, so timelines are fresh in our minds. UCLA says, "Hey, we want you to be the basketball coach." Rick Barnes says, "Hmm, you know, UCLA was kind of childhood dream, growing up watching John Wooden and watching Bill Walton and watching those teams win championships." I am interested. It's not like I'm unhappy in Knoxville, but I'm interested. So here's what we're going to offer you, Coach. Well, that sounds great, but there's a big buyout. I'm going to need you to take care of that as well. No problem, Coach. We will take care of whatever it takes to get you out here to Los Angeles to help our basketball team and bring it back to the prominence that we believe UCLA deserves. All right, that sounds awesome. Everything's good. Maybe he goes home and eats dinner. I don't know. Maybe he goes to sleep. 
maybe he wakes up the next day or whatever, and it, maybe it's just his, it's not his agent just operating independently. But for whatever reason, then they go back, and UCLA's like, all right, coach, I'll set up, ticket set. We'll see you out here. Looking forward to it. What size, you know, what size windbreaker do you wear? Well, before I get on that plane, we need to have a talk. I want more money. Well, coach, we're going to pay you whatever, $5 million a season, and we're going to pay this buyout to get you out of Tennessee as well. We want you here, man. That's that's the deal that we made. Yeah, I, I kind of want more, though. Well, coach, I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can do that. We'll uh, we'll look, we'll look at it or whatever like that. All right, well, get back to me. And then UCLA balked and said, "No, we're not going to pay you more than that. We're going to pay you what we agreed to and what you agreed to, and that's going to be it, including the buyout." And so then, and this is where Tennessee fans have a reason to be a little bit perturbed here, maybe more so than they did a couple of weeks ago. Now that we know a few more things based on this report. And by the way, the University of Tennessee has declined comment. Everything's just a report until it's confirmed. So I'm speaking based on the information we have right now, which is fluid and could change. But then Rick Barnes and his agent went back to UCLA and said, you know what, we were just kidding about that extra money. Can we just get that original deal back again? And then the original deal wasn't available and UCLA moved on. And so now... Rick Barnes has to go back to Tennessee and sell them on the idea that not only was he going to leave, he then tried to get more money out of UCLA. When they said no, he said, no, but I'll still come. Just pay me what we originally agreed upon. Now you are Will Smith in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air with the statue with Ben Vereen as your father. Not there. Why don't he want me, man? One of the saddest things I've ever seen in a sitcom. If you haven't seen it, look it up. You'll find it. Now Tennessee fans have reason to wonder about the future of Rick Barnes. His integrity gets called into question a little bit here just because his story doesn't match what he said a few weeks ago. That could be deemed problematic. More problematic, though, seems like he wanted to get to UCLA by hook, by crook, by whatever it was he could get there, he was going to try and get there. And when his effort to try to get more money out of the Bruins failed, then okay, just give us a regular deal and the buyout and we'll do it. And then they didn't do it. And so now they have another basketball coach and we'll see how that goes with Mick Cronin out at UCLA. But the bigger issue is, how do you feel if you're a Tennessee fan today after this? Kornheiser joked and said they need to go 15-0 and at Tennessee to start the season or he's going to be fired sooner rather than later. And he's going to be competing for an analyst job on ESPN because nobody's going to want to hire him. And then, and this is the part that, and I may carry this over and talk about it into the next segment, as a matter of fact. I know college basketball season's over, but the NFL draft is over as well. We talked about it for an hour yesterday. And I'm not going to sit here and talk a whole lot of NHL without the Preds in it. I'm sorry. But they agreed. Wilbon and Kornheiser both agreed that UCLA was foolish not to pay what Rick Barnes wanted because he's that good a basketball coach that it made no sense for them to balk at the, even though he tried to get more money out of them and maybe it was a little bit underhanded in some ways or less than less than dignified in the manner in which it played out. But look, when you're trying to get paid and negotiations get involved, a lot of things are said and done that wouldn't be in other 
scenarios. But their argument is UCLA screwed up by not paying that they should have paid to get Rick Barnes because he's that good a head coach. And this is where I'm just kind of sitting here and I'm just like, is he though? Is he? Is he a top 10 coach? He's getting top 10 money. Again, back on 417. Revised five-year contract in Knoxville. $5.2 million average annually. And his previous contract was three and a half mil. When we come back on the other side of this break, I'm going to talk about what Rick Barnes has done in his career. And this was the other point that I made that I don't have to apologize for for a couple, from a couple of weeks ago, where the information hasn't changed. And that is what Rick Barnes has actually been as a basketball coach in the only time that it matters. I don't care if you win 25 games a year or 30 games a year. That's great. But that's not why you're playing. You're playing, unfortunately, that's one of the problems with college basketball is it has become about a three-week sport. And you're playing for those three weeks. And those three weeks are weeks that Rick Barnes would rather not talk about when it comes to his resume and when it comes to his coaching acumen. So I will call that into question. And I will lead off by telling you this before we go to break. UCLA did not make a mistake by not paying more money in fact, they lucked out by him asking for it and then them having a chance to say, do we really want to pay this guy that much money to come here? Let's look at his resume again. That is what we will do when we come back. Stick around. Big Six here on a Wednesday. 104.5 The Zone. Oh. Welcome back here on a Wednesday. It's the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to helping homeowners benefit from the rental boom by renting their homes the easy way. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but luckily you can rent it. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. I'm also stricken underneath pollen and allergies, and I apologize that my voice is not up to snuff. By the way, the next two days leading into the wake-up zone from 5 to 6, you will hear me on Fox Sports Radio. I'll be in for Clay Travis hosting Outkick the Coverage on FSR for the next two mornings. Uh, Jeff Schwartz will join me tomorrow. Also next Wednesday, I will be hosting that program. In addition, if you have not heard, I have my own show somehow on Fox Sports Radio Sunday mornings, 2 to 5 here in the Central Time Zone. You hear 2 to 4 Live on 104.5 The Zone if you happen to be up late. The Jason Martin Show. You can also podcast it as part of the Fox Weekend Roundup at foxsportsradio.com. You can hear that, though, uh, anytime you wish. And again, laying all that out for you boggles my mind. The talent and abilities that, that God has been nice enough to gift me and bless me with, none of it came from me. It all came from Him. And so I just want to make sure that all the glory for, for the things that I just said goes to the Father. We talked about Rick Barnes there in that first segment. And this kind of unfortunate story, if you're Rick Barnes, that not only did UCLA offer to pay that buyout, which would dispute what we heard a couple of weeks ago, he then went and asked them for more money up front, and that's when they balked. And then he said, well, can we just get that original offer back? And then that one wasn't there either. And I said that I wanted to kind of get into another situation, which is... PTI, who was 
right in what they said about how this is a disaster. That's the word they use. It's the right word for Rick Barnes and his equity level in Knoxville amongst Tennessee fans. But they also said that UCLA messed up by not paying him because he's that good a coach. And this is where, and I said this a few weeks back myself, I didn't know why Rick Barnes was in this discussion to be paid this much money. And so to do that, I'm going to bring up some stats for you. He coached at George Mason, he was 20-10. and 10. He coached at Providence, he was 108-76. and 76. He coached at Clemson, he was 74-48. and 48. At Texas, he was 402 and 180. And at Tennessee, he's 88 and 50. In his 32 year career record, Rick Barnes is 692 and 364. That's his record. A 655 win loss percentage. All of that sounds fantastic. But the problem, ladies and gentlemen, is that we don't play sports to win a bunch of regular season games. Ultimately, you are judged by how you play when championships and trophies. And that level of competition is on the line. And so what has he done there? Well, four-time conference champion. And in the NCAA tournament, he's made it 24 times. That is really impressive. He is 24-24. and 24. A 500 record in the NCAA tournament. Made one Final Four when he was the head coach at Texas. He has no championships during that span. Now, if you go through his entire record, I'll just go, I'll just name his wins, and I'm going to try and do this quickly as I've got sportsreference.com in front of me. Starting in 87, his first head coaching gig at George Mason in the CAA. I'm just going to name the wins. I'm not going to name the losses. I'm, all these numbers are wins, and you can start in 87, and I'm just going to go through. In 87, 88 season, 20 wins. Then 18, 17, 19. 14, 20, and 20. Those are six seasons at Providence. Then to Clemson for four years. 15, 18, 23, 18. And then to Texas for his longest stretch, obviously. And look, a lot of these numbers are going to be impressive. 19, 24, 25, 22, 26, 25, 20, 30, 25, 31, 23, 24, 28, 20, 16, 24, 20. And in his four seasons at Tennessee, 15 and 19, 16 and 16, and then 26 and 9 and 31 and 6. He is a great basketball coach in the regular season. Phenomenal. Not bad in the conference tournament either. But in the NCAA tournament, what Rick Barnes does is he gets you there, and then that's about it. We saw... I'm not going to call it ineptitude. That's too strong. But we saw questionable coaching, just a sense of lackadaisical, very flippant, very slow to adjust and slow to see what was happening in front of him. We've seen that for years. We saw it back at Texas. I mean, Kevin Durant didn't get out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Kevin Durant. You see what Kevin Durant's doing right now? He looks like the best basketball player in the world to me. I think he is the best basketball player in the world. I think he probably has been for two or three years. That dude can get out of the first weekend with Rick Barnes at Texas. Now, they weren't loaded around him, but if you've got Kevin Durant, that seems to me like you could get further. 
Rick Barnes will win you a whole lot of games in a regular season and not a whole lot else. And what does UCLA care about? They care about championships. They don't care about Pac-12 regular season stuff. I mean, Jim Herrick, there's a cloud of suspicion under that 95 championship. Ben Howland got to the Final Four a couple of times. You remember with Westbrook and Kevin Love and all of those guys? UCLA has a very proud basketball tradition. No disrespect intended here, but Tennessee really doesn't. Its basketball tradition belongs to Pat Summit. There have been some fantastic basketball players that have played, men that have played at the University of Tennessee. But Tennessee and UCLA are not comparable when it comes to their basketball situation. And Rick Barnes making more money than Jeremy Pruitt at a football school is stunning. And he wanted to make more money to go to UCLA. And at UCLA, that's a basketball school. Those schools that I just mentioned to you, and this was another argument that I made originally, that dude, meaning Rick Barnes, loves to coach at football schools. He spent forever at Texas. He was at Clemson before that. Tennessee now. Providence, that's a basketball school. Got it. George Mason, it's more of a basketball school, but it's he was there for a year. What is the truth if you are a college basketball coach at a football school? The pressure is just not going to be as good and the expectations aren't going to be as high. It's just like being the football coach at Kentucky or the football coach at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill or the football coach at Duke. It's one or the other. Very few schools have both rolling. That's why you look at a, a school like Michigan State and you can be impressed with that. And at times, you back in the day when you had Billy Donovan and Urban Meyer rolling at Florida. Those examples do exist, but they are few and far between. So Rick Barnes was then going to go to a major pressure cooker that is desperate to win, where he knows he can recruit. And we know he can recruit based on the team that he's able to put together and the way that he can coach them up. This Tennessee team had a bunch of upperclassmen because they weren't top-line recruits, but we know he can get talented guys. And the resources at UCLA, on a basketball standpoint, what he can offer is better than what he can offer at Tennessee. You might not want to admit to that, but that's the case. I wonder if Rick Barnes looked at the guys leaving that team, Schofield, Williams looking into the draft, Jordan Bone gone, even with great recruits coming in, or guys that you like, did he feel like, boy, this was the one we had to cash in on, and unfortunately we didn't even make it to the Elite Eight because we lost to Purdue. And so you look at Chris Beard. Chris Beard at Texas Tech got the six-year extension from them. He's now the third highest-paid coach in college basketball. He was a runner-up this year with that Texas Tech team. And he was in the Elite Eight a year ago with Texas Tech. And I kept wondering myself, why in the world has UCLA and all these places not gone and just offered Chris Beard everything under the sun to get him out there? What is it that we don't know about Chris Beard that we need to know in this situation? Why have a lot of schools not been falling over backwards to try and land that guy? And he just signed again with Texas Tech. Now, he could obviously get bought out. He wanted one buyout clause from UCLA that they balked at, which was no buyout if Texas opened up, which is <laughs> that's basically signifying if Shaka Smart is out, Chris Beard will go to Austin, Texas. But one thing that we do know about Chris Beard and this Texas Tech team, 
is that this team was built for one year. It was built for this year and maybe last year. But the grad transfers that they brought in that have no eligibility remaining and the one kid that, even though he wasn't a top 100 recruit, is going to be a lottery pick in the draft, he's gone. So it's almost like Texas Tech had to win this year because that team is not going to look the same next year. The windows in sports are things that we don't pay attention to enough. What is the window for the Jacksonville Jaguars from two years ago? That team that was on the doorstep of beating the New England Patriots and making it to the Super Bowl after outdueling Big Ben in a classic against the Steelers. What was that window? That window turned out to be incredibly small. In fact, you could not get through it after that year because they were a dumpster fire last year. And here comes Nick Foles now. That defense has fractured. They still don't have a ton of weapons there. They had a decent draft, if that means anything to you. We don't know who had a decent or good draft. We only speculate. We haven't seen these guys on an NFL field. The window for the L.A. Rams. You're going to have to pay Jared Goff real soon. You had to lose Saffold. There were guys that you had to get rid of, that you had on good money deals, but because of the salary cap, you had to make concessions. So you went out and you got in Dominican Sue, and you went and you bought and you, you paid and you made a couple of moves that are not going to be there long term. So how long is the window? The Orlando Magic, when they had Shaq and Penny, and they thought that they were going to be a dynasty. They never won a championship. Shaq ends up in L.A., Anthony Hardaway ends up with a bum knee. You just, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But we can look at this Rick Barnes situation. And I think that we can accurately say that guy is not a good postseason basketball coach. And if you are not a good postseason basketball coach, there is enough evidence for me to say what I, what I said from the very beginning when Rick Barnes was hired. I said, man, I like that guy. He can really coach. I wouldn't hire him if I wanted to win in the NCAA tournament because I can't trust him in the NCAA tournament. I would never bet on Tennessee until Tennessee proves me wrong. Same way I feel about James Harden and the Rockets. I saw James Harden shrink when he was with the Thunder in the NBA Finals against the Heat. I saw him disappear in a closeout game against the Spurs a few years ago. Disgraceful performance by him that night sitting on the sidelines like it was just over. And look what we're seeing right now. It's not him this time, but I can't buy into the Houston Rockets. I can't buy into James Harden until I see him win a championship. Then we can have that argument because there's too much evidence on one side of that seesaw that just doesn't allow it to balance out. I am sitting on the ground, and the evidence that could contradict me is way up in the sky on the other side of that seesaw. So they're going to have to prove me wrong. People like that have to prove me wrong. We watch things, and we get things into our heads, and look, sports can be unpredictable. But Rick Barnes in the postseason has been incredibly predictable. So allow me to disagree with Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon and anybody else that thinks UCLA should have paid whatever Rick Barnes wanted because he's that good a basketball coach. Because I just don't think that's the case. Because I don't think you're that good a basketball coach to make top three money or top five money in college basketball when you can't even get to a Final Four outside of one time in your 24 NCAA appearances. You had resources at Texas. You got there one time in 2002 
a year you won 26 games in a regular season. You were a regular season champ with 30 wins and 31 wins in 05 and 07. And all that's known after that is, yeah, they made the NCAA tournament. Exited stage left relatively quickly. Rick Barnes is not worth what he asked for. He's got to win a championship for me to ever believe he can win a championship. At this point, it's proved me wrong. But this is bad if you're Rick Barnes because I understand the vitriol of Tennessee fans now. The fact that he begged them back and said, hey, just give me the original deal. Sorry, I didn't mean that I wanted that extra money. That's tough. We'll see whether or not Tennessee comments on it at all. But on its face, I agree with the characterization of disaster for Rick Barnes. We will be right back. Big Six, 104.5. Glad to have you with us. Thank you for joining me. This is the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Talked a good bit about Rick Barnes in that last segment. Went a little bit long, but there was a lot to say, quite frankly. Here's a story I have not gotten a chance to talk about this week because other things have kind of just kind of gotten in the way. And that's Josh Rosen, the new quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, who was a first-round selection that the Cardinals traded up to get last year. And now, of course, they took Kyler Murray with the number 1 overall draft pick. I'm not going to speak to that. What I am going to speak to is, first off, congratulations to the Miami Dolphins, because I think you just got yourself one heck of a football player. I'm on record. I think that guy can play. I think that guy can be very good in this league. And I want to talk about revisionist history, and I want to talk about how soon we forget. Because it was about a year ago that there was talk and discussion between who's going to be the best pro quarterback, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and a lot of people didn't have Mayfield in that list, and he started to prove a whole lot of people wrong. But Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, before Mayfield's name started to rise up the charts, after the college football season ended, it was usually Rosen versus Darnold. And, of course, Darnold goes number 2 overall to the Jets. And then Rosen goes a little bit later in the first round, but still pretty quick. How soon we forget, ladies and gentlemen, how everyone really did believe that of all the quarterbacks entering the NFL, Josh Rosen was the most pro-ready. What has changed? There's a question I want to ask you that maybe you have not considered. When you think about the draft picks that were made last week, whether it was Kyler Murray or Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke or Will Greer or Minshew or whoever, if Josh Rosen, if you had not happened to see the Arizona situation last year, where would you have slotted Josh Rosen among the quarterbacks that were just drafted? If he had gone back to school, you would have had more evidence. You could have seen whatever he did at UCLA. But he left and we saw a year that he would probably rather we forget. But he was also sacked 52 times. Had no offensive line. Had a first-year head coach that just honestly was in over his head. A guy that was not ready for that much of a rebuild kind of project. There was Larry Fitzgerald and then there was a whole lot of other guys. And then there was a rookie quarterback who's a smart guy. Everyone knows this. 
But if Josh Rosen was amongst this quarterback class, where would you have put him? Would you have drafted Dwayne Haskins over Josh Rosen the way we thought about Josh Rosen a year ago? Would you have considered Daniel Jones over Josh Rosen if we had been talking about this a year ago? Drew Locke, maybe even Kyler Murray in some of your eyes. We are scarred because that season happened for Josh Rosen last year. I have spent so much time because it just keeps on cropping up as to how you deal with adversity and how you get over failure and how you overcome those things in your life by accepting them, owning them as part of your story, but knowing they're not the end of that book. And I talked about UVA and we talked about Tiger Woods. We talked about these kinds of things. So what do you do if you're Josh Rosen? And they take Kyler Murray the year after they take you. And you know your days are pretty much numbered in Arizona. And you did all that you could. And you came up short last year with a whole lot of things seemingly going against you on that team and within that franchise. And you're frustrated, right? And you're mad and you're angry. Well, hopefully experience teaches us that anger is something that should be passing. Because it can lead you to do things you otherwise would regret. And you can't always take words back. And so reacting in anger can be extremely dangerous. Josh Rosen had every reason to be salty and bitter and frustrated and mad and shouting F-bombs and all these other things. So how did Josh Rosen choose? And I don't know if it was his decision alone or if he had someone helping him. I don't know if there were cue cards that he was reading off of, but he put up an Instagram video this weekend on Saturday, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is as perfect a reaction to adversity as one could have in a difficult situation. Relative. Look, there are a lot of people that have a lot of things that are going on that are worse than Josh Rosen. I get that. But the ego and the arrogance and all of the pride that comes through professional sports and being a public face and being a public figure, I see it to a smaller extent in the media. People within the media that are so worried about themselves and that everyone believes that they're the expert at all times and so they're going to undercut everybody that does everything else. And I've caught myself doing it and being jealous of this guy or that guy for what he has. Hopefully I'm able to recognize it a little bit sooner now to cut it off at the pass before it gets out of control. But Josh Rosen has every reason to feel jealous and to feel overlooked and to feel slighted by the organization that showed they had no faith in him and are not going to give him any chance because they brought in a coach that I'm not sure is a good hire and they're letting him bring in his quarterback. But what did Josh Rosen do? If you have not heard this, sit back and listen to what class and smart sounds like. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to say a couple things after everything that just happened. Uh, Cardinals fans, thank you so much for all of the continued support this past year. Uh, I know we didn't win as many games as we all would have hoped, but I had an unbelievable time here in the desert. Um, Unfortunately, my time here is coming to an end, uh, but you guys are really getting a hell of a player in Kyler Murray. He's going to do great things for the Red Sea. Um, Kyler, I just want to congratulate you and your family on getting drafted. Uh, Arizona is a really special place, and you're going to love playing and living here. Uh, it's my teammates, staff, and everyone who worked at the facility. Uh, I can't thank you enough for all the support and great memories we've created this 
past year. Um, I'm really wishing all of the Arizona Cardinals uh, the best of luck moving forwards. And uh, Miami, I couldn't be more excited to become a Dolphin. Uh, I'm ready to attack this new chapter in my life uh, and give you guys everything I have each and every day. Uh, my bags are packed, and I'm on a flight first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, so get ready, South Florida, and go Fins. Um, and Kyler, one more thing. Uh, an awesome two-bedroom uh, in Old Town just came onto the market. So let me know if you're interested, and I think I can get you a pretty good deal. Ladies and gentlemen, that is so good that it doesn't even matter if he didn't mean a word of it. No one will ever know. There are skeptics and cynics that will never believe that that was genuine. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on it because he's given me no reason not to. And Rhett said it best yesterday. And here is not really that case. I'm talking about Rick Barnes' character. I'm not going against Rick Barnes' character. I hopefully did not do that in the last segment. This is a bad look for him. It's a bad story for him. He's also a good man. Josh Rosen, again, every reason to be frustrated. Not frustrated. In the video, he's got a decent smile on his face. He's standing there on that sort of overlook in that hotel. As he's arrived in Miami, he's got a fresh start. And look, there's a quarterback there in Ryan Fitzpatrick that loves to kind of throw a wrench in a starter's plans by playing well as a backup when he gets the opportunity or when he gets a chance to start. I'm here to tell you, one year in Josh Rosen, and all of a sudden everybody's cutting bait with a guy that last year many thought could have gone in the top five of the NFL draft. First quarterback outside of Kyler Murray that was taken this year was Daniel Jones. If I'm the Giants, I would have gotten Josh Rosen. If I was the Redskins, I would have taken Dwayne Haskins. He's from D.C. That made all the sense in the world. Gettleman, that didn't make sense. Of course, I could be apologizing to Dave Gettleman in two years or three years if Daniel Jones is a pro bowler, and it's great. If he thought that was his guy, that's his guy. I think Josh Rosen was worth it, especially when you consider what Miami had to give up to get him. Not very much. The Cardinals gave away all their leverage by still holding on to Josh Rosen after they drafted Kyler Murray. If they made a mistake in this case, it was that. But good for Josh Rosen. It's not like I'm a Dolphins fan, but I'm a Josh Rosen fan. And I believe that that guy can play football. I think he's going to win a lot of games for Miami. They haven't had a really good quarterback in a while. I think he might be the real deal. And I will be watching Miami with a lot more interest. And I think it's really easy to root for a guy like Josh Rosen, who in the toughest moment of his life, just stood up and handled it with as much dignity as cl- and class as a guy at his age could ever hope to. I don't know if I could have done that. I mentioned Dwayne Haskins. Really cool story out of Washington about the number he will wear for the Redskins. We'll finish up with that next. This is The Big Six on 104.5. Oh. Final segment tonight here on the Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Thank you for joining me. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Reminder, the next two mornings you can hear me in for Clay Travis on Outkick the Coverage. I'll also do that next Wednesday. Jeff Schwartz will join me on the program tomorrow. Not sure if anybody's going to join me on Friday. I might be doing that joint solo. We'll see. Hopefully my voice is going to be a little bit better than it is today. Pollen has got me down, as I'm sure it's gotten a lot of you down. We're brought to you by Renner's Warehouse. Dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renter's Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. Really cool story out of Washington. So Dwayne Haskins goes number 15. And Dwayne Haskins threw 50 touchdowns at Ohio State. It's a school that has not produced a lot of great pro quarterbacks, especially in the last couple of decades. Washington has not had a lot of great quarterbacks 
the last truly great quarterback maybe that they had. I mean, Doug Williams won him a Super Bowl. He beat my Broncos. And Mark Rippon won a Super Bowl. And Robert Griffin looked like he had a great career ahead of him and injuries and other things just kind of got in the way. But the last like truly great Redskins quarterback that you think of is probably Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann wore number seven. And since that point, no one has worn it. It's not a retired number, but it's one that just sort of has had an honor. It's called protected by the organization. Only Sammy Ball and his number 33, that's the only one that's ever been officially retired by Washington. But nobody's ever worn 28 again for Daryl Green. No one's worn Sean Taylor's number again since his death. No one has worn the 44 of John Riggins since he wore it. There are guys like that with the organization where it's just sort of understood. It's almost like an unwritten rule that you don't wear those numbers. Well, Dwayne Haskins wore number seven at Ohio State, and he really wanted to wear it in the NFL. But other than, but without coming out saying, look, I'll pay Joe Theismann to give me the right to do this or whatever. Dwayne Haskins said, I need to have a conversation with Mr. Theismann. And basically said he wanted to ask him for his blessing to wear the number seven. I talked about the maturity shown by a young player in Josh Rosen in the last segment and how good that story is in a really tough moment for Rosen. Whoever it was that helped advise him to do what he did, it was all class and it makes him so easy to root for. Well, Dwayne Haskins last week talked about how the league done messed up because he went 15 and some people said, well, does he not want to play in Washington? No, he wanted to go higher in the draft. He kind of wished Washington would have come up and, and gotten him in the top five or six or seven or whatever. But after Daniel Jones, they felt pretty confident that he would still be there for him at 15. He's not upset to be playing in front of the town that he grew up in, the city he grew up in. But he wanted to handle this right. And the expectation was from the Washington media that indeed Joe Theismann would give him his blessing. Well, guess what? Joe Theismann yesterday, or actually earlier this morning, on 106.7 The Fan in Washington, spoke with Dwayne Haskins, and gave him permission and his blessing to wear that number. This is what he told the radio station. I just got off the phone with Dwayne just a little while ago, and I told him it was okay to wear number seven, giving him permission. Not that I felt like I needed to, but he was respectful enough to ask. We had a really nice conversation. It's important to him. And hey, I want the kid to be successful. He doesn't need to worry about, well, I wish I could have worn a different jersey. I wish I could have worn a number. If this is one less thing that puts any problems out there or issues out there for him, let's make his life as easy as possible so that we can get the success from him that we're hoping and expecting. That's from Joe Theismann. That's what he said this morning. You want to talk about class. Joe Theismann, who won a Super Bowl and his career ended in just awful fashion. One of the most terrific injuries we've ever seen. A very recognizable face in the NFL, a legendary face, somebody that easily could have, no, I want to be the last guy ever to wear that number. That's my number. And what he said was just, I want him to be successful. If this takes something else off his plate and makes him a little bit happier, makes this a little bit easier on him as he transitions into the NFL, I want that to be the case. It's the selfless nature of that response that kind of shakes me a little bit and reminds me of how selfish I can be, how self-centered I can be, how self-absorbed I can be, as opposed to looking out amongst other people and trying to find ways to actually make their day better.
And so I'm not sitting here trying to preach to you. I'm just saying that if we were actually able, all of us, to take just a little bit more time to look at someone else instead of the mirror in front of us, we might really affect change in a positive way. And I think that that goes for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society that Jonathan Hutton just took part in over the last 10 weeks, along with those other spectacular candidates that did all that work, or whatever charity it might be, or your church, or you know your neighbors that you've never gotten to know, or whoever it might be. We need to start looking outward instead of inward. Joe Theismann, this is selfless. It's dignified. It is exactly how I would want to believe I would respond to a situation like that. So I'm looking forward to watching Dwayne Haskins wear number seven in the NFL. And every time I see him wear it, I'm going to be happy that Dwayne Haskins went about it the way he did. And Joe Theismann went about it the way that he did. When you look at that jersey, there's a story behind it. And there's a message. And there's a lesson behind that jersey. So every time he throws a touchdown, I'm going to think of this story. And that's a good thing, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.